Hey friends, welcome back. You're listening to the Live With Audacity podcast, episode number 17. I have great news. I'm hosting a free four-day winter mini session all about what else? How to live with audacity. We are going to cover things like why it's so important to be authentic in every part of your life, how to make yourself a priority, and stop drowning in obligations, and how to identify your unique purpose in this world and why you absolutely must live up to your greatest potential. It all kicks off on December 30th, right at noon central in my podcast Facebook group, the Live With Audacity Podcast Insiders, and it will be four full days, Monday the 30th, Tuesday the 31st, Thursday, January 2nd, and Friday, January 3rd. Come hang out with us and start your year off right with all the audacity. Okay, so let's chat today's episode. Kat McLeod is my fabulous guest today, and together we talk about niching down your business in order to increase profits. Kat tells us her wild story about how she realized niching down was the ultimate key to her success. listening to the Live with Audacity podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Stewart. Audacity is defined by Merriam-Webster as intrepid boldness or disregard for normal constraints. And that's exactly what we have here. The Live with Audacity podcast is aimed at giving you the courage to explore your someday dreams, do things your way, and start making things happen in your life right now. I'm a mom of four kiddos, ranging from college student to kindergartner, wife to a high school football and track coach, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Together with my guests, we're going to teach you how to live with audacity and intentionality, discover and utilize your unique skills and talents, and step into who you are meant to be in order to make your someday dreams a reality. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back to the Live with Audacity podcast. I am so excited because I have a special guest on today. Her name is Kat McLeod, and she is a business strategist, um, and she has an incredible story, and I can't wait to um, get her to tell it to you. But she is a mom, and she helps women find their niche and figure out the business that they should be having. Um, Kat, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to this place? My superpower is nailing your niche. I find the subset of people's niches that are going to make them the most money for the time spent and be enjoyable and pleasurable in their lives. And there is a long arc to what I currently do. And it starts with me growing up in an extremely abusive household. I was beaten. I was, my life was threatened. I was terrified. I felt really awful about myself. I believed I was nothing and not good enough. And I made some really crazy choices in my teens and early 20s. I was dating much older men as a teenager. I became a stripper. I 
moved to Los Angeles because that gave me the money and the independence away from my abusive father to come to LA. I didn't want to lap dance out here in LA because, you know, my father always manhandled me and I wanted nothing to do with that. So I actually answered an ad to be a dominatrix. And I really enjoyed this for the first six months or so because it turned the tables on the abuse that I received and I felt more in power and in control. And then I soon burned out on it because it just really wasn't me. It didn't feel pleasurable or meaningful and I grew to really dread it. So I decided at the age of 22 to really niche down to only what I most enjoyed slash tolerated. And I thought I was going to have to get my quote unquote normal job to supplement my income because this was only a small part of my dominatrix practice. And instead my business grew. It skyrocketed. I over doubled my already high prices. My clientele grew in quality and I ran a multiple six-figure business for the next five years. During this five years, I still didn't like this business. It was not meaningful. It was not fulfilling. And I was just so used to making so much money. It was very hard for me to transition out. During all of this time, I suffered from depression, eating disorders, anxiety. I did a lot of therapy to get my head halfway on straight. I decided that I had enough of my business and just could not do it anymore and shut it down, got hired by one of my regulars who I had known for five years and did my only corporate job as an adult. He put me in charge of growing a division of his company because he saw how I ran my mini empire and he liked what he saw over the years. So I blew that sucker up for him. It's still profitable. It's still a big part of his business to this day. However, I did not like being having to answer to a boss. I like I am an entrepreneur at heart. So I quit that job and went back to graduate school to get my master's in psychology. I wanted to help other people. I really believed in therapy and I was also using it for myself. It's something I have a huge interest in given my past. It's very fascinating for me. As my second year graduate school project, I chose helping women transition out of the sex industry into mainstream society. And this entailed helping them become entrepreneurs. I never expected to become a business coach. And that's what I had to do because these women were used to making hundreds, if not thousands of dollars an hour, and then transitioning into normal, regular pay just wasn't going to cut it for them. So on the fly, I learned how to be a business coach and help other people start businesses that could give them the money that they needed in the amount of time that they were willing to work. And I had no training at this time. I just learned it off the cuff. And this is how I nailed my superpower of nailing people's niches that and and bringing it even further than that, finding that subset of that niche that was going to really help them stand out in the marketplace and get the most pay. And that's how I was able to successfully transition women out of the sex industry that first year, I worked for free because I was in graduate school. After I graduated, I became a certified coach and I opened up my practice to all men and women, not just people in the sex industry. And I was able to help many people start their own businesses. I value fulfillment and meaning first. And then I marry that with high profit because I do not believe in just starting businesses for high profit that don't feel good because they're not sustainable in the long run. And they don't, I mean, they just don't feel good. So <laughs> that brings me to today. I use that same exact framework of 
high profit for the time spent putting purpose and meaning and fulfillment first and then marrying that with income. Okay, awesome. Wow, we have so much to touch on. First of all, I cannot go any further until I ask you what your niche was in your dominatrix business. Because I know everyone I, is curious about that. <laughs> I niche down to mainly foot fetish. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you had to pick one, that would probably be the easiest one, right? It was very easy. I basically got paid for people to massage my feet and buy me shoes and I modeled shoes and modeled feet. And this sounds like, oh, this sounds so easy. And it really was an easy job. However, it was not fulfilling, meaningful, and I still kept it secret because it's still taboo. Okay. So when you had that business and you were transitioning out of it, what type of business did your client hire you for? And what was the job that he hired you to do? I went into the corporate space and I was a marketing director and I started a conference for people higher up in the corporate space. And I'm not going to go into more detail because I don't want to out him. Yeah, no, I totally get you don't want to out anybody or anything like that. But man, there's just so much good stuff there. Okay. So when you um, went back and got your master's in psychology, did you like do self-therapy or you went to therapy or um, you went to therapy with other people or, you know, was there any certain thing that you learned from from that and that degree that you were like, oh my gosh, now I get why I'm being the way that I am or like, how did you deal with that? I already had many years of therapy before I went to graduate school for psychology and dur yes, during the psychology program, you give a lot of therapy, you're, you're, you act as a counselor and you receive counseling. That's part of the program. And I do use those skills to this day because in starting a business, a lot of stuff comes up, a lot of fear, a lot of mindset work, a lot of limiting beliefs, a lot of I'm not good enough comes up when unfolding a business. Yeah, absolutely. And where do you feel like most people get their fear and their limiting beliefs from? I would say that a lot of us have that from childhood. Even if people had loving parents, it could have been something said to them. It could have just been ingrained in them when they were young. Even if, well, I mean, those of us with abusive parents, it's pretty obvious. But even with loving parents, I found that people do have limiting beliefs from childhood. Okay, cool. So, um, so then you went from, um, you got your master's in psychology, and I love that you started trying to transition women from the sex industry. How did you, how did you get through to women um, about that? Did they come to you and say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore? Or did you have to go out and find them and say, hey you probably don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> how did how did you go about that? Both ways. I contacted organizations with my offer and I got some press and I actually got my first client from a referral. Besides that, I actually did cold call them and I got a lot of hate. I can tell you that right now. A lot of threats and a lot of hate. Yeah, it seems like 
when you can see things from a different perspective and, and you try to talk to people about their things, they're like, nope, this is what I'm doing. You're, you're barking up the wrong tree. I don't want to hear it. Um, and have you had anybody come back to you and say, you know what, I think I'm ready to hear you out now? This was well over a decade ago, and I ended that practice a, a long time ago. It, oh. It's not something that I wanted to stay in. I do not do that any longer. Okay. Th this was over a decade ago. So For sure. at the time, um, some people did, when I called them, they did relate. And then the ones that didn't, I understand. I mean, how would you feel if somebody called you up out of nowhere and basically almost it's almost a judgment to say, are you wanting out of your current industry? You know, I was in it. I, I got out. Do you want help coming out? It, it, it feels invasive. Yeah, for sure. And I can only imagine the, um, the resistance that, that you had to go up against. But so after you transitioned from that, is that when you transitioned into um, being a business strategist and what you do now? I did do that after I stopped working with exclusively sex workers. And then I met and married my wonderful husband and he did not rescue me. I had over 10 times more money than he did when we got married. I paid the entire $450,000 down on our home. Now he's killing it now. He's doing great, but this was almost a decade ago. And I fully planned on being a pampered stay-at-home mom. I'm fortunate that way. My husband's a high earner and I had my son and I was happily a full-time mom. When he went to preschool and I had me time again, I grew really restless. I was bored. I was starting to get irritable and spending too much time reading like gossip on the internet, just wasting time and getting more and more frustrated. So another mom and I started talking and she asked me what I used to do. And I told her, and it turns out she was going crazy at home. So she asked me to help her start something just for fun. And I did. And she still has that successful business to this day. And after that, I just helped other moms in the area. And then when my son went to kindergarten, I helped moms from his school that asked me to work with them in developing businesses. And now that my son's in school full-time, I've scaled it to online. Very cool. I love that. So, so I know that your it your superpower is um, helping people nail down and drill down on their niche. Tell me, how do you typically go about that? I know we talked a little bit about, um, you know, it's about your what you like to do and what you're good at and things like that. But what are some key questions that people can ask themselves to? try to figure out what that is for themselves? I'll give it through stories. So that mom I just told you about, which was one of my first clients, she knew how to make beautiful cakes from her mother. She never thought that this was a business. I mean, she's seen bakeries and things in the area, of course, but she never thought that she could turn it into a profitable business. And we, we, found the subset of that niche, which here in coastal Southern California is gluten-free. People with celiac disease 
or just on a gluten-free diet will pay a premium for that. And her sister and her mom have celiac disease. So we paired her niche down to gluten-free baking for children's birthday parties and baby showers, where it's really important to parents if their child has this kind of allergy to really eliminate it. And that's how she's able to charge a premium versus just starting a birthday cake company for birthdays. Another example is one of my clients. She was a lawyer. She worked for the city, but she has three kids. So she didn't want to miss out on them growing up. So we pared down her offering so that she could still keep a foot in the door to people who need a certain thing done as far as their immigration status is here. And she does that. And she works two days a week while her kids are in school now. And she makes more than the American average salary doing that. And one of my online clients, we, she knows a lot. She knows a lot of software. She knows a lot of stuff. And she was trying on her own for a year and four months. And it was all confusing. And she was not able to land a single client. We pared down her offering to one specific software program that she gives help with. And she has been landing client after client and only working four days a month if she gets those clients and she does client work four days a month, we'll replicate her current corporate salary. So we're working on her to go half time now so she can continue to take on more clients. That's so neat. That's so cool. So I know um, a lot of times when they first start getting into business and trying to figure out the type of business that they want to launch, you know, for years and years, people have always been told not to niche basically, and not to not to eliminate people from their their possibility of sales, right. And we're always told to kind of be far reaching with our message. And how did you realize that niching down and making it really focused on a very small percentage of people was the key to making a business successful? It's what I learned 20 years ago when I took the dominatrix business and I niched down and I actually exploded my business and was way more successful niching very far down. What made you, though, know that it would still be successful if you took it from the wide ranging dominatrix down to the, the foot fetish thing? I didn't know. I thought I was going to have to get a a normal job. Right. This was an accidental find 20 years ago. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So um, tell me about a time you failed in your business and what you've learned from it. In business, you're going to fail all the time. I mean, that's cliche, but that's basically what business is. You're going to fail all the time until you're good at it. So it's there's nothing that I really feel down about. I mean, you basically only fail if you quit. So there's been no time in my current business that I feel like I'm failing. Yes, I flub things up. Maybe I'll have a little pity party and then I move forward. My my first business, the fetish business, I did never felt like I was failing that business. I was just failing myself because I wasn't feeling fulfilled in, and I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And I kept trying to quit and getting lured back by the massive amount of money. So that was the, I mean, I was just failing myself, not in business. Awesome. Yeah. I think that a lot of times, you know, we see 
things or we mess up things or something like that. And we're like, man, I totally failed. Or we put something out that maybe doesn't resonate as much as we expected it to. Um, and I think the key there is you're not failing. You're just learning what not to do next time or how to do it better the next time. So I think that's really valuable. What has been your biggest win in your business? I want to piggyback with what you were just saying. You're always going to suck before you're good. So if that's something that's holding your listener back, you're just, it's going to be messy. You're always going to suck that way. And my win now in my business is helping people start fulfilling and meaningful businesses, getting my clients results. I love when my clients are lit up and happy. And I, it's just so amazing seeing people reach their dreams because with the arc of my story coming from an abusive household and now living a massive dream life. I live an amazing life now with in a loving family. My husband's very loving and we live on a little hill and I have a full mountain view I'm looking at, a partial ocean view. I have a happy family with friends. I, I'm just living a dream life and it makes me feel amazing when I help other people unfold the dream of owning a fulfilling and meaningful business or doing purposeful and meaningful work because that's part of a fulfilling and and satisfying life in my eyes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's frustrating to um, to talk to people and and see people and know that they aren't doing something that totally fulfills them and lights them up and makes them happy. Um, and have you ever come across someone that uh, probably not because I'm sure people hire you and that their intention is to find their niche and thing that they love. But have you ever tried to coach a friend or somebody like that? And then they just weren't really willing to hear what you thought that they, sh they might should be doing instead. I don't make people do something that they don't want to do. So I give feedback. I really will pare it down and I co-create businesses with people. I don't coach. I mean, I did coach some friends at the beginning, but I heard what they their talents were. We take their talents, their skills, their gifts, what they are the go-to people for in their circle, what they would enjoy doing. And then we marry that with profit. And from there, we see what would be a viable business for them that feels good and makes them money and is purposeful and meaningful to them. So the answer is no. I that has not occurred to me at this stage in my business. A long time ago, over a decade ago, when I opened up my practice and worked with both men and women and not necessarily only in business unfolding, I did have some uh, depressed male clients, I will say, and I no longer work with males. Okay. And were they just not, um, they wanted to work with you, but they just weren't really kind of in the headspace where they could hear what you were trying to say or offer? The one male client that I'm thinking of, and this definitely it does not bode for all males, just this specific male client, he was really depressed and he expected me to help fix him. And no one can fix you. That has to come from within. And I was a new coach and I didn't have the skills then to be able to just distance myself from that and not take it personal. I'm very results oriented. I'm very type A and I didn't, I was not able to hold the space at the time and I let it get me down. Now I understand that 
I offer all the steps, I offer all the support, and the results are the responsibility of my clients. However, my clients get amazing results. Yeah, no, totally. It's all up to you. You got to do the work. Um, but it's so nice to have somebody like you in your corner helping you figure out what, what you know, what avenues to take. So that's, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, what are you working on now or where is your business headed? I'm headed towards scaling my business online. I just <laughs> went online in June. I already have online clients because off my took my offline expertise and used it to, for my new online niche, which is what I have several of my clients doing right now, taking offline expertise, making it our new online niche. I have decades of business experience. So right now I am scaling a little bit up in my practice. I'm taking a few more one-on-one -on -one work than I ever had before, and I'm getting ready to launch my first group program. So that will be in beta at the end of this year. Awesome. That's going to be so great. Um, okay. So the last few minutes, I like to do a rapid fire. Um, what is a book, article, person, or talk that changed your life? I love Oprah. She's just so successful and meaningful. And when I was in my early 20s and going through depression and sometimes not wanting to leave the house, I found her show comforting. Totally. I listen to her podcast all the time. And man, she always has the greatest guests on and she always has the greatest way to... I love that she takes what her guest is saying and she wraps it up and and puts it back out to her listeners as here it is, is in a nice little bow. Here's here's a, um, a short takeaway from that. So yeah, Oprah is the best. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Friday night at home? Friday night at home would be just hanging out with my husband, catching up on the week, occasionally pulling out a pack of Monopoly deal and playing a quick game or two or three of that. And just, yeah, just being out and being together. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, who normally wins your Monopoly game? Me. <laughs> Almost always. Always, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So, oh, I actually have a question that I wanted to ask earlier and I got distracted. Did you, um, do you, did you ever coach your husband? I know you said at the beginning, um, you, you were the one with all the cash and, you know, he has really grown himself and is a great earner now, but did you coach him and help him try to find what he needed to do or what career path to take? When I met my husband, he was 23 and he was already a high earner. So he, I'm not going to take credit for his success because he is just very intelligent and does really well. And yes, I've annoyingly unsolicited coached him over the last <laughs> almost decade and he will definitely vouch for that. And I, <laughs> let's put it this way, there's been some gentle coaching and he occasionally will turn to me and say, Got it, coach. <laughs> and not in the most loving way either. Uh, <laughs> However, yes, there is a lot of success with that. And even with his latest endeavor, there was, we'll call it, I call it encouragement. And he will sometimes call it, yes, coach, because I will say, okay, hear that you're wanting to do that. When is the time frame that that will be done? In? Oh, yes, I love that. Like, what do you think is the next best step 
yeah, what do you think is the next best step to get you to what you say you want? Okay, when would you like that done in? Oh, that's so What good. actions are you doing now to do that? Okay. Yeah, I can be annoying. <laughs> well, do you want to come <laughs> move in with me? Because I need you to <laughs> just come on over, girl. That's so cool. That would be so awesome to just have a coach right in your home. Probably not cool all the time, but it's probably... <laughs> Overall, it's probably pretty neat. Um, that's so cool. So what was... Yeah, I don't put the coach on hat. I know. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't put that coach hat on all the time. I, well, I'm sure it's hard not to do that. I caught myself... Yes. I caught myself the other day. My dad was telling my son, like, hey, you should be a uh, football referee or uh, an official when you grow up because he's just so, like he's always right and nobody else ever knows what's going on and he's 10. And so he was like, well, I just wouldn't want to do that and um, ever have someone talking about me about being a bad ref or missing a call or something like that. And I just turned around and was like, no, you do whatever you want to do. And I just totally coached him up on it. And then I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I got so fired up about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's <laughs> when you, when you do that, on a regular basis, it's so hard to turn it off. <laughs> what was your dream job as a kid? Marine biologist. I grew up in cold, bad weathered Illinois, and I dreamed of moving to the coast and going to UCLA and being a marine biologist. And I do, I, none of that happened except for I did move to the coast and I love it. Yeah, that's so cool. So I'm sure that you guys spent a lot of time in the water and, and being around all that. That's, that's pretty cool. What is your next vacation that you're planning with your family? We're either going to go to Japan because none of us have ever been except for the airport, or we are going to relocate to London for three or four months. So we're not sure what that is. I'm not sure yet. Either one of those two things. We spent three and a half weeks in London last year, and we have an opportunity for us to do some global expansion there. So that is something that we we are considering between those two. That is so, so neat. Yes, I vote for three or four months in London. I think that would be so cool. Um, yeah, that sounds like so, so much fun. I have always wanted to live abroad for a few months out of the year. But um, no, my husband is 100% married to Texas, and I will probably never get to leave here ever, which is great because Texas is, I think, the greatest place on earth. But I'd like to see some other places too. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your best advice to help our listeners live with audacity? Decide on living with audacity. Really, truly decide. Not wish, hope, want. Decide on living with audacity and that's going to drive your consistent daily action. Act on that consistently and that's how you're going to have that kind of success. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm so glad you were here. Tell me or tell us actually, how can people find more information out about you? Where can we find you? You can find me at sahmentrepreneur.com. That stands for stay-at-home mom entrepreneur, sahmentrepreneur.com. And on there, I have the four key steps to starting a fulfilling and high-profit business. It's a 50-minute training. It's my love gift for 
anyone who needs to know the four key steps, maybe is stuck, can't afford a coach, doesn't know where to go, that's a good place to start. Also on my website is my work with me page. If you feel like I am the one for you, you can find out more information about working with me and book a discovery call to see if we are an amazing fit. I only take dream clients at this point in my practice. And lastly, there is a link to my Facebook community under the community link. And I'm in my Facebook group almost every day. Awesome. Okay. What's your Facebook group called? The Fulfilled High Profit Stay-at-Home Mom Entrepreneur. Cool. Okay. Awesome. I will put that in the show link, uh, show notes. Also, I'll link your group and all the other links that you just mentioned. Um, thank you so, so much for coming on. I had such a great time with you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, y'all. I had to jump in here real quick because I need a favor. If you are loving the Live With Audacity podcast, I need you to do me a big solid favor and share it with your friends share it on social media and go to the apple itunes link and click subscribe rate it review it i need to know your feedback and i want to keep putting this out for you so i really need your help to get the message out thank you so so much for your loyalty and your super kind and sweet words they mean so terribly much to me 